One of the things that I try to encourage young men sometimes, occasionally, I am mentoring young men in the art of sermon delivery. And this is just a general statement for any guy who gets up here and makes a, any sort of talk or speech or anything. One of the things I really try to encourage is figure out your one thesis statement, your one point, uh, one thing that you want the audience to get from your talk, your lesson, whatever it is. And so today we're thinking about, okay, we're going to be starting a new series over the next couple of months. Uh, it'll probably take two or three months uh, to return to basics. And if I'm, I'm thinking about one thing I want you to get out of this sermon, why do we talk about the same things over and over and over again? Why do we talk about the same sort of basic ideas constantly, not all the time. Uh, I, did, I did not plan this. Uh, Larry's talk about communion very much dovetails with this idea. We return to the same things over and over and over and over. Why is that? Why do we do that? Why do we talk about the basics so much? Now, the text for our study over the next couple of months, Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, 3. Uh, we're, we're not going to talk about Hebrews 5 over the course of the series, but Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, really. But I want to get the context of Hebrews 5. About this, we have much to say. He's talking about Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek, of Jesus. About this, we have much to say, but it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child, but solid food is for the mature. Uh, this is not those who are old people, but the mature in Christ, right? Those who are spiritually mature. Those who have, have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God and in instruction about washings and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Uh, this last set here, right? the resurrection of the dead and the repentance from dead works and faith toward God, these things. This is what we're going to be covering over the next few months, these kind of ideas. And, and we're going to do all these and then I think a couple more. Ironically, the point of a series like this, the elementary doctrines, first principles, is the exact opposite of the point of the text in Hebrews. The Hebrews writer, he wants to go on to Melchizedek and the eternal priesthood of Christ and the interaction between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. There's a lot of complicated stuff here. And it's complicated. He says it, right? This is hard to explain. But many topics in the Bible are. 2 Peter 3, 15. Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There's a, a variety of things in 2 Peter he's talking about. There are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. The things in them that are hard to understand the Hebrews text is one of those things, but there's a lot. But I would say we could go even further. Okay, we put this list back up here of the elementary doctrine of Christ. Faith toward God, repentance from dead works, instruction about washings. What does that mean? The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the inter eternal judgment. I would suggest that the unstable and ignorant twist these things to their own destruction. Not the complicated stuff, not the big weird stuff. But the basic stuff is often twisted and misunderstood. Now, many of the Christians in the Hebrew text, the Hebrew writer, 
They're not ready for the complicated topics because they haven't really even advanced past the elementary doctrines. They still don't get those. And this word elementary is interesting. This word that is used, the elementary doctrine of Christ, at the basic, this is RK, means beginning. It is the word that is used in John 1.1. In the beginning was the word. First John 1.1, he uses the same thing. John likes this word. That which was from the beginning. This is that same word, elementary. It can also mean ruler or authority. Often it's used in the sense of, of someone who is in charge. That is, the person who is first in importance or power. Colossians 2.10, who is the head of all rule. This is that word, arche, an authority. Titus 3.1, remind them to be submissive to rulers. This is our same word. Now in the text, in Hebrews 5 and 6, we see this word twice. Hebrews 5.12, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. This is all the same word here. Beginning, rule, elementary, basic, the first. And so we might call these the first principles of Christianity. The things that you cannot actually be a Christian without doing or knowing. They're fundamental. And again, the point in the Hebrews text, which is ironic given the scope of our study over the next couple of months, the Hebrew writer wants to go beyond these. He wants to talk about some, some second or third or fourth principles, right? The order of Melchizedek, that's probably like a fifth order principle in Christianity. It's not a first principle. But for some of us, we think about the first principles. We need reminded, right? We need to be reminded of those basic things. Some of these are actions. Some of these are attitudes. Some of these are knowledge, understanding. There is a baseline level of knowing and doing required to be in the kingdom of God. The, the basic stuff, right? These are the first principles. And so in a congregational setting, the need for such lessons. Why are we talking about these? Why do we talk about these things so much? The need is twofold. One is to encourage those who have never obeyed the gospel to do so over the course of the next few months. You may realize, hey, you know what? I never really understood repentance. I never really understood what the washings were. We'll talk about that word in, when we get to that lesson. I never understood the idea of faith. And if that's you, might I suggest you are not a Christian because these are first principles. These are the things without which we cannot be a Christian in the first place. And so if you think over the next few months, you, you discover, this is something I didn't understand, something I didn't quite grasp, and I, I, I didn't do. Well, let's make that right, right? We want to encourage you, if that's the case, to take these first steps in becoming a Christian and being in the kingdom. But for those of you who have, who did understand that in the past, who are hopefully continuing to understand the importance we need to have a reminder of the seriousness of our commitment. These first principles that we sometimes go beyond. We, we want to move into the more advanced material. We want to go to the more advanced stuff. But we cannot ever forget these basic things because these are the basic things upon which our entire Christian lives are based. And if we ever lose the sight of these first principles, we become in danger of, of not being Christians anymore. In some ways, we never grow beyond the need to consider these things. Despite the desire of the Hebrew writer, in some ways, we never grow beyond these things. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, as we think about this idea of reminder. Peter is, in First and Second Peter, 
writing to Christians. And he knows that. He's writing to people who have believed. He's taught many of them in the past, probably, people who have become Christians. And so he knows in First and Second Peter, these letters that he's writing, he's not writing new stuff, but that's okay. Put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. The Hebrew writer sort of uses the word milk in a derogatory sense, right? You need milk and not solid food. You should be advanced to solid food by now, but you need milk. Peter doesn't use it that way. The idea of milk is something we desire, something we long for. In what sense are we newborn infants? We think about newborn infants here, the, the, the example that he's using who when they want food, they want it, and they want it now, <laughs> right? There's no, there's no holding back. They just want the food. And it's really interesting. One of the things that is, I think, the most funny thing about newborns is dad's kind of a second-class citizen, right? Dad is, he's fine, but he's no mom. Why is that? Because mom has the milk, right? Mom is the food source. That guy, get him away from me. He's not important. I want mom. That's the analogy that he's using here, the idea of being born again, central to these principles, right? When Jesus talks to Nicodemus, you must be born again if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, become a newborn. And as a newborn, everything else is sort of secondary. You want the one thing. And for us, what is it? Some versions append of the word to this phrase, right? The pure spiritual milk. Some versions have the milk of the word. The point is that we are desiring God's truth and knowledge and everything else is sort of whatever. Everything else is secondary. He says it in 2 Peter 1, this idea of reminder. Therefore, I intend to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, you know them, you've established, you're a Christian. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know the putting off of my body will be soon. He's going to die, as the Lord made clear to me. And I will, be able, uh, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to at any time recall these things. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. This is the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both, I am stirring you up by, uh, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you, you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. For many of us, the study of the basics, the first principles, is not new. I would suggest that's true for most of us in this room. Doesn't mean you don't need to be reminded. Because what happens, as Larry said, what happens when we don't think about things for a while? They go away. They leave our brains. There's stuff I learned in college I've never once used. And there's no way I could do it now. I know I learned it. I got an A in the class. Does that help me now? No, it does not. Because I haven't used it in 20 years. That's an exaggeration. 10 years. But it's gone. And that's what Peter's point is, right? I'm going to die. I'm going to leave. And I really hope that when I'm gone and I'm not here constantly reminding you, you're going to know this stuff. You're going to remember these things. And so we remember these first principles, the teaching of them to others, right? Not just for ourselves, but for others. This is one of the fundamental ways that we stir up one another. This phrase, stir up. The Hebrew writer uses this phrase in Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, the open through us, uh, for us through the curtain, that is through the flesh, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. And then he lists some of these basic things, these first principles. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean, 
sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. What did he say? One of the two of the basic principles, the first principles, faith toward God, instruction about washings. Let us hold fast the uh, confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful to do what? The resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We stir up one another, not just with the advanced stuff, but with the basic stuff, the first principles, right? What does it mean to repent? How often do you do that? What does it mean to have faith? Is your faith lagging? Is your faith slipping? What, what are these instructions about washing? What does that mean? The laying on of hands. What is that? Why is that important? Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Take care, brothers, lest in any of you there be an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. This is what happens when we forget the first principles. We have an unbelieving heart and we fall away. But exhort one another every day, so long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. One of the deceitfulnesses, oh, that's not the right word. One of the ways that sin deceives us, the deceitfulness of sin, one of the elements of that is, oh, I learned that stuff a while ago. I don't need to think about that anymore. Right? I did that, so I, I don't need to think about those basic things. I'm ready for the new stuff. I don't need to care about that stuff anymore. That's a deceitfulness of sin. You always need to be reminded of these things. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold to our original. This word original, same word. Beginning, the rule, the elementary, the basic. This is arche, that same word. The first confidence, firm to the end. Think about exhort. What does that mean? To exhort, to encourage, to admonish, to help one another be reminded of these things. This word original in Hebrews 5 and 6, right? The first principles never change. In a broader sense, this illuminates some of the function of the church. We spend a lot of time together studying God's word. I'm going to use this as a sort of a backdoor way of plugging some of the things we've got coming up here, right? Uh, we got two sermons on Sundays. Well, not this Sunday because this Sunday is singing night, so we don't have two sermons. Tonight's singing night, by the way. Bible classes on Sunday and Wednesday. We just finished up our classes on common struggles. We're going to start a new class on Sunday mornings. We've got Acts. We've got postmodernism and critical theory. You're like, what? Why would you talk about that? It'll make sense, I promise. Wednesdays, we're starting a new class. Not this week. This is the last week of the new quarter. But starting next week, we're going to go into some of the solid food. Some of the more advanced things. We're going to be talking about revelation. Ooh, how exciting. That's not milk. Let's put it that way. We're going to be talking about some of the more advanced stuff, right? We have men's and ladies' studies in, on weekdays. Pam, you're studying Elijah. I think Elijah, right? Uh, in, in, on her study on Tuesdays, the ladies' study at, at her house. You can go to that if you want. Uh, we're going to re resume our study on Thursdays of the book of Romans. We'll go on to something after Romans. But uh, Thursdays, a midweek study at, at the Reams house. Again, you're welcome to come to that. Not to mention, I don't know what you've got going on in your life. Studies you have going on personally. Hopefully you have personal studies. Maybe you're studying with family. Maybe you're just by yourself. Whatever it is. We study the Bible so much. Why? Why are we doing that? Because we constantly need reminded. Right? We need to stir up one another to love and good works. We need to stir up our sincere hearts, as Peter would say, by way of reminder. 
Hopefully we're covering a broad set of teachings, right? And in all of these different things we've got going on, we have a broad set of, of different biblical ideas and biblical truths. Some of these are more advanced than others. Some of these are milk. Some of them are solid food. That's okay. We're, we're going at different paces for different people because nobody's at the same level, right? Nobody's at the same level of knowledge or understanding. But always, why do we do all this? The goal is to stir up one another or to encourage people to become newborn infants. That's the second part of this, right? We can't just go on to the advanced stuff because hopefully in our groups, and our assemblies, there are constantly people who need the basics, who need the first principles because they've never become a Christian, because they don't know what it means to be a Christian. They don't know what it means to be a part of this group. And if we're not teaching them, how are they going to learn? They're not just going to get it by osmosis. So I make an intentional point every year to have at least one series that is geared toward becoming a spiritual newborn, to being born again. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we do that? Because hopefully we have continually an influx of people who need to know this information. And for the rest of us, right, we're thinking about being directed at those who have never committed to Christ— Hopefully for the rest of us then, you can then take these inf this information and in your own lives, give this to new people. Those in your life who have never committed to Christ, take this information and teach them. You don't need me to do it. You can do it. What does the Hebrew writer say? By this time, you ought to be teachers. That's what I'm hopefully equipping all of us to do, right? Is to go in our own lives and then teach these to others. So the first principles. As we conclude give a brief summary of these things as we think about what we're going to be talking about over the next few months. Repentance from dead works. What is repentance? What are the dead works? What's the difference between dead works and living works? How does that, what does that mean? We think about faith toward God. What does it mean to have faith? How has that idea been corrupted by the ways that we use words? One of the things that we're going to talk about in this study, and, and I do this a lot, so it's not, again, not new, is the, the way that we use words. Faith means different things to different people, what did it originally mean? What did the writers of the New Testament mean when they used the word faith? How has that maybe been corrupted over the time that we've been uh, in society and in culture? Instruction about washings. What in the world are washings? I'm going to give you just a heads up, spoiler warning. This is a bad translation of this word. <laughs> the word washings here. What does that mean? Well, we'll talk about that. Laying on of hands. Seems odd. This is in a list of first principles. When have you ever seen this happen? The laying on of hands. What does that mean? If we're thinking about this as an elementary doctrine of Christ, why does that not happen in our, in our, on our congregation, in our group? What are we doing there? Maybe we should be doing it more. And, and what does that mean? What did it mean for them? The resurrection of the dead. Of course, there's a double meaning here, right? Resurrection of plural, the dead, everyone. But then resurrection of singular, the dead. That would be Christ. And both of those are elementary doctrines. Most of those are first principles. The resurrection of Christ himself, but the resurrection of everyone. We'll talk about both of those individually. And then finally, eternal judgment. What is the point of all this? Why are we talking about all this? Why we're talking about this is the last one. The reason why we talk about most of the things that we talk about, judgment is coming. And it is eternal. And so we offer the invitation week after week after week. Why do we offer this invitation? Because we don't know when judgment is coming, do we? 
Could be in the next hour. I don't know. Probably not, statistically. Could be, though. But it doesn't really matter when Jesus is coming back, which is why we're not told when Jesus is coming back, because it doesn't matter. Because you could die at any moment. Your judgment could be today or tomorrow or the next week or the week after that. Jesus doesn't have to come back for you to face judgment, right? And so we have to constantly be ready. The first principles are first principles because these are the things that we need to understand to be ready for judgment. Repentance, to turn from our old life, to commit to living God's way. Faith toward God. Do you believe in him? Do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe that what it says is true? If so, what are you going to do about it? We can think about confession. It's not in our list. We'll talk about it towards the end. To confess your belief before others, before God, before Christ, before other people. The washings, which again, we think about what that means. One of the meanings of that is baptism. We have the, the water right here. Immersion. The covering of a symbolic nature. The, the submission and obedience to his will to be united with him in his death and burial and resurrection, that's baptism, right? I hope you're ready to do that. Maybe you're not ready yet. That's fine. But you've always got to ask yourself, how much time do I really have to get ready? The answer is, I don't know. So if you're ready now, come while we stand and sing.